Mixtapes with Mike is now working in partnership with Black Circle Records, an independent record store based in Latent Buzzard. No money is changing hands, but we are going to work on some promotions together, so it would help us both out if you would take a second and follow Black Circle Records on Instagram or click on the link in the show notes to visit their website. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, this week's guest is an actor who has worked with prestigious theatre companies around the world. He's worked on the BBC, played the villain in a Netflix drama, and he has also died in a James Bond film. This week's guest is actor, skateboarder, and now author, Joseph Milson. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. Really well. That's the crazy, uh, crazy thing, that I technically am those three things. <laughs> it's, it's a bizarre combination. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of actors who skateboard, or, or at least used to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but... normally used to. I meet a few. Uh, it, it's always been a bit of a. It's only I only came out as being a skate. I've been doing the acting bollocks for twenty seven, twenty eight years. I've been skating. I have been riding a skateboard every year of my life. Sometimes only five times a year. Sometimes fifty times a year for over thirty. So I've been a skater longer than I've been anything. But it used to. I always used to think, oh, the poncy world of acting. I mustn't. I mustn't let people know I'm a skateboarder. It's a bit, oh, I won't go with all this Shakespearean stuff. And then I was doing uh, a kid's TV show, which is a spin-off of Doctor Who called The Sarah Jane Adventures. And I played the dad of the heroine in it. And there was a read-through in Cardiff. And I skated to, from the hotel to the read-through on a longboard. Just to, I got to the read-through and Russell T. Davis, who, the right, amazing writer who put Doctor Who together and so many a new show it's a sin on now he went what's that what do you mean what's that and I, I was like oh shit I knew it I knew skateboarding and acting was a bad idea I knew it oh shit he went do you ride a skateboard I went yeah yeah I've always I've always skated and he went oh cut to the next episode he's written the dad fucking skateboarding around in the show I was chasing aliens on a skateboard I went hang on a minute this is fine nobody cares and then it was like a trickle the next job I did was some big Shakespeare thing but there was an actor in a company I thought he was the funniest man I've ever met he was, he's really got my sense of humour sure enough he's a skater he, and it's just I've never worried about it ever since and it's uh, it's opened up non-stop it's just opened up to the point where there's a film being developed now which I am gonna stop being shit although the director's brilliant but there is the skateboard British skateboard movie I'm attached to that you know as soon as the money people get involved you think oh god this is gonna be awful and I'll never live it down but if we can get it right it is like the wrestler but with a shitty knackered old skateboarder it could be really good but anyway it's it's amazing so now they all fit together they fit together fine yeah so now but, but, but 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 we don't know each other per se through no. skateboarding, but we have a connection, and I, I, and I don't know if you realise what it is, but um, it was it, Lewis Davis posted a picture with you, yes. 
and and I I used to skate with him years and years ago uh, at, at Epic, and and he is now my tattooist. No way, and I think he'll soon be mine. I'm oh, he's, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. Um, and so he 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 posts this photo, and I was like, oh, who's that? So like, I click on your profile. And then, so I see, oh, he's skating vert, he's skating vert. I'm like, oh, he's, oh, he's an actor. I was just like, oh, no way. And then I looked at some of your, like, credits. I was just like, holy shit, he's quite good. Um, I was just like, oh, man, well, if he's a skateboarder, he's probably all right. I'll I'll tap him up and see if he wants to do mixtapes. And, and here you are. And here I am, because I've, I've got something to plug as well. So you're doing me a massive, massive favour. Oh, yeah, you're making some assumptions about the side of my audience, but... Ah, well, no, listen, what, that they can read. (laughs) I don't... (laughs) I don't care how long it takes them to read it. (laughs) I'm sure sure my five listeners will enjoy it. Um, No, it's... So, uh, so, so, yeah, you are... You're an actor, uh, and you've got this book coming out, um, which which I've read now. Um... Thoroughly enjoyed. Bravo. Did you? Hooray! It's well, you know, it's it's the most journalistic prep I've ever done for an episode of this podcast. It's very grown up. Um, but uh, but it's no, you know, you know what? Like like I'm a sucker for an autobiography, and but sometimes sometimes there's a little bit of ego there. Oh yeah. Uh, and but you you are quite comfortable sort of owning your flaws. Yeah. Uh, and, Which there are many, and well, and we've all got them. <laughs> but there's, but there's quite a lot of amusing anecdotes that really sort of carry you through. There's a lot of very sincere, heartfelt stuff about your family, which is uh, really engaging as well. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Right, man, that means a lot. Thank you, truly. So. Uh, we're here to talk about music. So how did you approach making your mixtape? Well, listen, you know, Radio 4 lives in our house and that old desert island, this nightmare comes to me almost every time I have a bath. What would I choose if I was forced? Thank God you said 10. So it wasn't random. I, I must have around about 300 songs I couldn't live without. So it really was about using them. Like I went, no, I'm going to imagine these are my only 10 tracks and I'd have a different 10 today. But that day, a lot of them would stick, actually. Uh, They were the different corners of my life, kind of. Uh, Yeah, they were just, you know, I've got 10, whatever shape a 10 shaped thing is. That's my life. And there was something from then, now, him, her, that this do you know what i mean yeah yeah and and upbeat feel good uh think a bit feel a bit bit of everything good. some of it's pretty cheesy uh but we'll see we'll see there are no guilty pleasures on no, mixtapes music you need to use it and i really use music like in my work as an actor i don't know what other actors do to get into their shit but if i'm on set and i'm playing some serial killer and and I don't want to do the cheesy, cliched version of playing a serial killer. I'm in there listening to fucking Right Said Fred just before I've cut someone up. Do you know what I mean? I use music and it, it opens up weird little bits of your brain and they don't know what you've got in your headphones. And you go and give this take and a performance they weren't expecting. And music is fucking huge, huge in my life. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a section in the book actually when you're talk, taking your first proper TV job. Right, yeah. And very early starts. Yeah. And your talker's like, right, so how am I going to approach this? Is it going to yeah. be like you're almost asking yourself, right, do I need early nights and good food in the morning or do I do I need health food and loud music? And you and you opted for the loud music. Loud music, definitely, to wake up. When I've got a sick, you know, 5 a.m. pickup, 4 a.m. wake up, on set, ready to go at quarter to seven. It's it's loud music and it's pretty full on. It's it's my it's my playlist nowadays. It would be I've got a playlist called Go Fucking Skateboarding, and it's generally that one. I have a similar playlist for when I would be driving back from stand up gigs late at night, yeah. called Wake the Fuck Up You're Driving. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So, Brilliant. who is your first track by? First track by the Jam. You know what? This is actually, I believe, the first time the jam have come up. Holy shit. Are you kidding? In fact, I think you've got a couple of firsts on your mixtape, actually. Yeah. So, shall I tell you a little about why or what? Yeah, do it. No, do it. The jam were, there were a few voices. Paul Weller is one from the jam that are so formative. I was, I had an older brother. I have an older brother who we'll meet later tonight. Um... My dad, my dear dead dad, was in a band. He played bass in a band called The Aliens, back now, but you know, and he got electrocuted. He got melted to his bass guitar, to a Hofner violin bass, melted his hands all over it because the, the gig they were playing it was all wired wrong. No, he grew up with these fingers sticking out at wonky angles, couldn't play bass anymore. His career was over with that. Um, but music was always in our house, rock band, and you know, to the point where my brother the, the, we didn't have a front room we didn't live in a big place but we had the front room was a band rehearsal room and we all ate and lived in the kitchen because there was a drum kit and the amps up to the wall in in the front room and but the there so the jam were the first non-stop drip into my life and they also the only the first thing i ever had on a cassette player in my own room was I think all mod cons of the jam. And, and I was a working class white boy, southerner, which they do exist, uh, but also rural. Now, people can't get rid of that around that. We lived on a big old farmhouse uh, for a lot of my childhood, but literally you could see, I had panes of glass missing the entire 10 years in that house in my bedroom window with cardboard you could see through the the missing point work in the bricks to go outside it was a shitty we were blissfully happy there skate ramps in the barn no money i mean no money praying you find dead deer on the road my mum to cut up and cook and the jam made me identify with what was going on in the rest of England better than any documentary could. I used to listen to the songs and his lyrics and the way it is, I went, I get these people. In this song, you hear, you know, the, the little council estate these people are living on and what their life's about, weirdly was an industrial or, or you know, a town version of my life. And the jam, weirdly, it all connects. I didn't have any idea about acting stuff, but the stories in the songs were huge early on. I preferred songs that had a bit of a... I used to really listen to the lyrics. And um, 
Anyway, so this has always been, I think this would make it onto the Desert Island disc list as, as well. This is this is a big one. Okay, so this track is? That's Entertainment, the jam. Moving on from the jam, who are we listening to next? Wait no more. So, uh, again, the work of cassettes. What would I have done without cassettes? You know, pirate copy of a pirate copy of a mate who said you might like this, who said you might like this, who copies another tape. No name on it. I didn't know who this noise was. But I had a cassette that I wore out to the point where it was bleeding through and you could hear a bit of the other side of the cassette. <laughs> Because, you know, literally the tape yeah. gets so thin. Yeah. Certain tracks you could listen through to the other side. And it turned out it was the first Faith and first album by this band. Oh, fuck. And again, this was me when nothing really mattered. I was a happy enough lad. I was a very happy childhood. But when I went for things, I went for things. So I managed to find somewhere to build a ramp with a roof over it and a shed it wasn't our barn we didn't ask the owners but we did it we got away with it all of my mates stolen wood we built this ramp and there were you know there was a year when i was 13 where i said i'm gonna skate 365 days this year for a minimum of two hours and we had shitty floodlights i had a little stereo system down there and i skated I reckon I did that for about two years. I don't think there was a day, rain, sleet, snow, where I didn't skate that mini round. I, I fucking ruled that round. But um, uh, this was the soundtrack for that time. So it all it's always an instant drip feed into that time for me. Okay. Could oh. have been any track as well. I had real problems picking a track. And I think I literally picked this at random off, off, off the album. So... Yeah, I think it's it, it's Death March, Faith No More. Okay, so that's Faith No More. Who are we listening to now? So we're going to listen to The Pretenders. Um, pretenders again my dad liked them my brother loves them my brother I think once had a might had an audition to be their guitarist on tour you know um, anyway they're just fucking amazing when, when people talk sometimes about oh I had a time machine you know the, the ultimate question who would you go back in if you had one gig in a time machine people are like go see the Beatles in Hamburg Led Zeppelin, you know, when it was just kicking off, you know, which is pretty amazing. Um, I happen to know the greatest gig that ever happened was probably at Alexandra Palace with, with the Lars supporting the Stone Roses, and that's that's a good one. But I happen to think, as I get older, I start to appreciate how original and how much we owe to the Pretenders and how kick-ass they were and are. But when this guitarist, who died in pretty 
traditional rock and roll circumstances, I think. Um, James Honeyman Scott, who was the original guitarist of the Pretenders, this, this oh, I'm gonna get really this track has the most insane guitar on in it. When I teach acting, I talk about guitar solos a lot. Okay. I'll tell you why. And the, I use this track to teach acting because people who wank off as actors and don't serve the, the, the scene they're in and they're busy trying to look cool or look at me, look at me, instead of just like playing the story. I said it's like bad guitar solos. You know, you know when there's an amazing guitar solo, but it's part of the song. It's come from the song and it's helping the song. It's not just going, look how fucking amazing my guitar playing is. And this, in here, you will hear the most insanely original guitar playing, but it helps the song. James Honeyman Scott. So, yeah, this is it's brilliant. It's, um, and it's also one of my daughter's favourite songs. Um, tattooed Love Boys. Pretenders. <laughs> single of uh, Just Call Me Angel of the Morning. Right, yeah. The, uh, and I don't know if that was originally by The Pretenders. That might have been a cover. That been a cover, yeah, you're right. But, um, yeah. Brilliant. Amazing band. All right, so that's The Pretenders. Who's up next? Peter James Milson. Never heard of him. <laughs> you're about to. He's my big bruv. And he, he has been... Uh, He's been, he was in rock bands from 17 years old. He's now 50. And he was genuinely in pretty good rock bands, like some of them like, supported R.E.M. back in the day or whatever. But, you know, bands like, uh, see, my brain's gone now. Wood Children, Futurama, before there was a cartoon show called that. And, uh, Blurt and others and blah, blah, blah. He was always a good singer-songwriter. Then he got really burnt out by the music industry and went, fuck that, and became... A photographer, a brilliant one, who took pictures of the Guardian. He's had like been at the National Portrait Gallery. His stuff, amazing. He, he, he has a really famous portrait of Amy Winehouse. He did that is just one of the best pics of her ever. But then he moved down to Dorset. Um, became you know halfway to being a beautiful hippie. Lived in a really groovy communistic kind of life. Not communist, like commune. Yeah. And. Um, they're all helping each other out and stuff. And he started just doing gigs again for pleasure, just him and a guitar. And lo and behold, the more you're not chasing something, the more it starts coming to you. And his songwriting got better and better. He, he did an album because he'd written some new songs. It's, you know, he's now really well respected in that British folk singer-songwriter way. He has his thousand or so very loyal followers uh, and he's done five or six albums and any are really amazing songs and today i think you'll let me do this because i just had a phone call with my brother we don't speak that often uh so he's been releasing them these himself sometimes a label will help him like distribute because they love it but they don't you know he got uh, at the age of 50 after let's say 40 years of writing songs we just got a 10-year record deal today. That's <laughs> mental. Today. Uh, and he's really he said, please don't put it on social media yet, because I, I literally 
I get the the bit of paper to sign next week and no one's announced it yet so I won't say which record label but he, he has he has two albums coming out in the next 12 months already done and he thought he was going to be doing them himself and they've just said no no, no we'll look after that and, uh, and it's just insane he said the minute he stopped chasing you it's just he phoned once someone up there for advice about a mate at this record label who my brother still takes pictures for big record covers sometimes yeah, yeah he's a great photographer so he knows people at these labels and he'd never think to ask them mm-hmm. he so he was contacting them about something totally different to do with something else they got back and went yeah here's the advice you asked for about the record sleep by the way we've just had a chat do you fancy coming to the label they were like, what? so anyway today's a big day and i'm really ridiculously proud of my brother so this again i could have picked any track by him i had real trouble because i thought god there'll be people listening to this who don't know his music he's got all flavors in his work but somehow i went for the one that's carved in stone i picked it at random but it's kind of carved in stone so this is and there's a great video on youtube of this one as well it's called the red cafe by peter james Okay, moving on from Peter James Milson. Who's up next? The Cult. Uh, and this is pure and simple. This uh, And this song in particular, when we get to it, um, it's the sound of going skateboarding. Of going skateboarding. So Faith No More are the sound of me skating at home, the lucky fucker that I was. Uh, the Cult are the sound of getting in the car, be it my mate Ryan Sharp or... I never learned to drive as a nipper. I didn't need to. I had, I had older skateboard mates who mm-hmm. had cars, which was unbelievable. So every single weekend for four or five years of my life, we were going somewhere. Yeah. Um, and generally, we'd slam this particular track on and turn it up. And now, if I'm flagging on a platform, this track, don't care how cheesy it is, it's the sound of going skateboarding. Yeah, I think... <sighs> There's something real precious about the mate in in the crew that has a car or access to one. Um, so, I, I I have a friend called Matt, who was one of the two guys that really got me into skateboarding, and he was the first one of us all to have a car. He was the one who would be driving us to the skate parks. Um, he also had a mini ramp in the backyard. Um, it was God. Oh yeah, but 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 also he, his house was four doors down from my sixth form, so there were uh, there were a, there were a few hooky days where uh, I, I didn't see a lesson, but I, I did a lot of skating, um, and I, I literally had this conversation two days ago with another skateboarder uh, episode that just came out today as we're recording with Ben Grove about how connected music is with skateboarding, yeah, um, and how. And, and you know music will take you back to a point in time to do with anything um but because when you when you watch skateboarding it's always matched and paired with the perfect song and sometimes yeah, right. sometimes the video has been edited specifically to yeah. the tempo and the beat of that song so you can hear a piece of music and you can see yeah. the, the video without it being on in front of you it's amazing Although I, I'm not one of these people who can skate with headphones in. I find that quite strange. 
uh, and each to their own. But I, I tried it a couple of times, and and I found it. I didn't realise how much hearing what's happening is part of, part of it. You know, literally the sound of the wheel the slide and whatever. But it's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, I've tried it, but I definitely prefer without. And there was definitely a phase, maybe sort of, especially about 10 years ago, when you'd get a lot of people riding with headphones. That's right. And it was almost perceived... There there were definitely two camps, like people riding with headphones and people who didn't, who thought the people with headphones were being a bit antisocial. Or it's cheating. Like runners, when you do a marathon... Some some marathons have not done one half marathon. Some of them are all right. You're allowed to bring some of them. Like no no headphones. Fucking hell! Couldn't have done that without headphones. But yeah, I tell you what's weird with the getting into vert thing. So the platform is a limited space. You have a big street session somewhere, or even, you know, everyone sort of can be quite a uh, solitary. It can if you want it to be. It can be a solitary thing. Mm-hmm. Platform is a really weird space. You've got you've got to share it. When you occasionally get vert skaters who've got headphones in, they seem, they're not, they're probably fucking marvellous people, they seem really rude. Yeah, because they're in their own little world and they're not really acknowledging. Whereas everyone else, no no matter how good or shit you are, we're all aware that guy is just trying to kick turn higher each run. Mm -hmm. That guy is trying to land a fucking massive Madonna. This guy is doing that, he's doing that. We're aware of where everyone's evening is. You're like, kind of, and those people with vert, they drift by in their own world, and you're like, but, but, however, it just doesn't feel like that with street. The little bit of street I used to do, um, yeah, it's fascinating. So, but music getting there, or if I'm have flagged in and stick them in for five minutes, it's massive, massive. Yeah. Okay. So this track is this track is she sells sanctuary for cult. <laughs> I've never seen the cult, but I saw Ian Asprey right. front the doors at, Whoa. at, at an arena in Birmingham. What? Yeah, and, and he looked the part as well. He purposely sort of dressed a little bit Jim Morrison and kind of he kind of lived in it, you know. Um, and it and it was pretty amazing. I was I was more excited about seeing Ray play the keys, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, he's a, he's a phenomenal talent. Okay, so that's the cult. Who are we listening yeah. to next? Van Morrison. Um, uh, and this one, I'll tell you honestly, this is, I must have been, so I'm looking at my list now thinking, oh, I must have been having a lovey-dovey day. I, he's great. Van Morrison's great, although I think saw him, well, is probably 10 years ago now, and he's one of those people like Neil Young who <laughs> refuses play the tracks live if you want him to play I will play my new concept album and that's that's that that's what you're going to get um, and quite rightly he's an artist he doesn't like to do the same thing twice so even when he does do his great songs I believe it's kind of like a weird version of it quite often that's fine that's absolutely fine but you cannot argue with how amazing some of his stuff is and this track is my wife's all time slash don't forget 
if I die any day, you've got to make sure this is what's on at the funeral song. So this is this is kind of this is for my missus and for her little hippie soul. And it's into the mystic Van Morrison. It went the far corner. I wanna hear it. I don't have the fear. Right, now, moving on from Van Morrison, this is probably yeah. the track on your mixtape that I'm most excited about. Me too. Me too. Genuinely. Be- because he's he, he's an artist that I love. Uh, yeah. And I, I, man, I can only apologise to all the listeners who have nothing to do with skateboarding because that has been a bit of a, a, a sort of hook for this episode. Um, yeah. But I discovered this artist through a skate video. Wow. Which one? So there was a blueprint video that came out maybe 2004, 2005 called Lost and Found. But, um, and it's it was a double disc DVD. Like there was a separate disc full of bonus material and um, it was used on the Danny Brady section. So it's a full street section, mainly shot around London. Uh, and th- this this was how like ahead of their time Blueprint was. There was a bonus section in his section where it, uh, the uh, the word enter just flashes up halfway through. So if you were fast enough on the remote, it just unlocked this extra no in the middle. But it's a at the tail end of the section where he, where the last few tricks go down uh, in in slow mo. It it trans it transfers into this other track by the artist we're about to discuss um so so who's this by rodriguez rodriguez yeah who i i uh, whenever it was you know this one of the great lost artists right that never he's still alive um unlike some others but uh he didn't have the career he might have had it's a total mystery there was a great documentary it's amazing Searching for Sugar Man, right? Yeah. Which, can you believe, I actually haven't seen, even though I live to the album of that documentary. It's so bizarre. I li- I might go and watch it tonight. This Do is it. One of those stupid things. I'm a documentary addict. I love his music. I can't explain why I haven't watched that yet. But um, that album is just amazing and that's a compilation and i've got one vinyl another proper vinyl an old vinyl of his now anyway so he's only been in my life about seven or eight years um this track i'm gonna get deep here okay you ready we've just listened to the track my wife said listen you've got to have that in my opinion this is my one okay ain't a sad thing this is this song is just brilliant it's funny to me right i've been doing it's only been coming up 30 years but i it opens with the lyric about i've played every kind of bar i've played i've played hookup thingies i've played uh faggot birthdays i've played motorcycle weddings i've played whatever i played every kind of bar i've played with every kind of people there's something about this song as it starts that literally it's like if you'd ask beckett to write a song was my life in a song this feels like the movie of my song of my life like literally the shit heaps and shit gigs i've done and the odd moments of sparkly sparkle Mm -hmm. as an actor 
and how what experience in a job does. Like I've been hoofing a long time, and now when I'm on set, sometimes I never wanted to be one of those old. When I was a young actor, I used to those old pros. My day, blah blah. I kind of get it now, although I don't talk like that. There is a feeling of like I've seen it all. Nothing surprises me. Good or bad, nothing shocks me. Good or bad, but I still fucking love it. And you feel this character again. It's a character story song. He's still performing in yet another shitty bar, and he's seen it all before. He's seen everyone in the bar before, but he still wants to do it again the next night. And I swear to God, if there's a song for my life, this is it. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's an amusing image. Um, I mean, I I don't know if you would. What, you know, whatever your preferences are in terms of where the service would be, but I can't imagine this song being played in a church. Wait, oh no, I'll be, I won't, I'll be, unless they get it wrong, mine would be a humanist uh, ceremony anyway. Right. Like my dad's was, it's, you can have these brilliant, if anyone doesn't know about it, and they're worried like, oh, I'm not religious, I've got to have a church. No, you haven't. The humanist organisation, absolutely amazing. Proper, proper funerals, proper weddings, proper everything. You don't have to have God. It's great. So they'd be all over this. Oh well, um, I, I I I hope it goes well. It's going to go great. <laughs> it's going to be a great. And I might have instructions that nobody's allowed. It's going to be at the end, and they have to stay in their seats till the end of the song because it grows. Um, I really hope people can go. Will go and listen to the list on Spotify or whatever, and, and listen to the whole song because it starts like there's not much to it and the way it creeps and grows um, production-wise is just brilliant. So, yeah, because there's, there, there's, like there's almost like this rickety plodding on in, in terms of the, the, the time signature and the rhythm of it and it, can, and it, and it little by little there's another layer on top of it. Uh, it starts very minimal. Um, yeah. And he's got the most amazing voice. Like, I, I, I remember telling a, a friend of mine about him on the way to a comedy gig years ago. And I was just like, oh, have you listened to uh, Rodriguez? Have you seen the documentary? And, and he went, who? And I was like, oh, my God. Wait until you hear this. Um, and I kind of I gave him the sort of summary of the story about how he was lost and people perceived him to be dead. Um, and, and then I played him a couple of songs. He was like, well... That doesn't make sense. How does everyone not know who this guy is? Um, but 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 when you watch it, you'll see he's, he's a very humble guy, and he he almost wasn't looking for it. You know what I mean? Um, and my brother, and there's yeah. another equivalent. My brother has, without any exaggeration, he has done thousands of gigs, mm-hmm. and I know for a fact I've known. Weirdly. I nearly it was going in the book and it didn't. Someone, you know, I had to try and work out on paper how many times I'd done a live performance on stage. And we got well over 3,000. Yeah. When I was trying to work it out. And you do get to this point where you're like, a very, un, uh, a very odd situation. Because that is where some people feel in fight or flight. It's not a natural thing to have strangers staring at you, as you know. But you do it enough, and weirdly, it gets almost more comfortable than real life. And that's a very weird, that's a very weird place to live. Yeah, um, I, 
I had a moment back when I was a gigging musician that kind of informed me doing comedy now. Where, um, so I, I apologize to the people on the podcast that have heard this before, but I, I, I used to do like a, a one man band style thing with a loop pedal and several instruments. And when I put it together, nobody knew what I was working on, and I used like the local battle of the bands to unveil it. And this was back when inviting people to something on Facebook was something new, and it wasn't something you ignored with all the other white noise on social media. So um, part of the competition was that there would be an audience vote. So I was like, well, I need to make sure I've got a couple of people in my corner. So I'll, I'll invite a shit ton of people, and if 10 of them come, result. They all came. So... Not only am I, it's like so, this unknown entity. None of the other bands know who who it is, and I, I purposely gave it an ambiguous kind of title so people didn't know if it was going to be like a band or one person. Um, and the the other most popular band of the night was was deemed to have a big crowd because they had thirty people. I had eighty. Um, that travelled from all over, which was really crazy, and and also had a really good one. Um, but but before I went on stage, it's like right, I wasn't expecting this many people. What the fuck am I gonna do? Uh, I was like right, okay. So the guy that's going on stage, he doesn't care. He doesn't give a fuck if he makes a mistake or if it goes well. He doesn't give a shit. Almost, so I made this kind of separation, like that guy's a character, and that's the way I treated the rest of that run. And that that's basically what I carried through into stand up, where like the person who's gone on stage isn't me; it's that other guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Although I, I remember doing my little bit of therapy that everyone has to do, or actually mine was a nice long course in anger management. And uh, this genius guy who was taking me through it, he's a South African dude, and he, he went, oh, I fucking hate actors. I hate, I just fuck, I can't stand actors. Sorry, it's my um, my thing. Um, I was like, what are you on about? He said, oh, you know, he's talking about my life. He said, so let me let me just get this straight. You are at your most comfortable pretending to be someone else in front of a thousand strangers. You wonder why you're fucked up. You know? <laughs> so true. And he also said, you know, I was getting in trouble with, like, anger years ago. I'm all good now. But uh, he said, you know, he said, have you seen Crocodile Dundee? I said, yeah. He said, Do you remember the scene? He, him and his girlfriend, they get mugged in the streets of New York, and the guy gets a knife out and says, Give me your money. And, you know, the girl says, Give him your money. He says, Why should I give him my money? He says, He's got a knife. And he goes, That's not a knife. This is a knife. And he gets out a massive knife. He said, That's that's you in a normal domestic argument. It's like an argument you can't help. You've been on stage playing Hamlet or like Greek things with dead babies in your arms eight times a week. You kind of go, you're like, well, that's not an argument. This is an argument. And like real, you know, when you when you are lucky slash freakish enough to work a lot as a actor, it's 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 very good to have real life to balance it out. But even then, I've had kids. My kids have grown up and left home and. But, so I started young with the family thing, but um, still, you're not there all the time. You have to go away, you have to go on tour, you have to film abroad. You know, it, you can disappear up your own ass very quick. And I've actually got 
good friends, skateboarding and music to thank, mm. you know, and my kids to thank for not disappearing totally up my own arse. I'm, I'm only like, I think my legs are still sticking out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this totally inappropriate song for a yeah. funeral is yeah. my funeral. Get ready. Get ready to throw smarties at the back of the head in front of you in the funeral parlour. This is a most disgusting song by Rodriguez. And there's a bearded schoolboy with a wooden eyes. With every scented skirt whispers of incise. And there's a teacher that will kiss you in French. So moving on regretfully from Rodriguez, uh... Who we're listening to now? Okay, don't forget to go and listen to that whole track, people. Um, okay, because we need to lighten things up, but we move on to the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not joking. Here's the thing. Now listen, I don't want to fall out with you, Michael. Fine. Do you like the Smiths? I do. Oh, okay, we can continue talking. Listen, some people don't trust people if they don't like dogs, right? I don't really trust people if they don't like the Smiths because it indicates a lack of a sense of humour or a lack of a soul. Um, you know, I talked about how Paul Weller's voice was one of the voices that it was like having a... Sometimes you listen to certain bands enough people who really like, you know, rinsed albums mm-hmm. in their bedroom room, in their headphones. Uh, they're like a third pairing, literally. It's yep. like I'm taking more influence from Paul Weller, Morrissey and Michael Stipe with R.E.M., which I can't believe I'm on here tonight. But Morrissey and Mar, but Morrissey's fucking hilarious, clever, brilliant lyrics um, were huge for me and turned me into a book reader because I got into him and I was like what do you mean he likes this guy called Oscar Wilde who the fuck's Oscar Wilde he likes you know what I mean Baudelaire poet and what a poet he actually was the teacher that made me into a reader really and um, so the Smiths have to be there somewhere they are and here's the thing the people who don't really know the Smiths go do this weird impression of a miserable fucker the Smiths when I talk about using music, the Smiths cheer me up. No, I, I see that. That's how they. That's how they work for me. On the on the very first episode recorded of this, back when I first launched it in 2017, was with yeah. uh, a comedian friend of mine by the name Andrew McBurney. Right. And and he had uh, a Smiths track because he he just loves the the. He loves the way the the guitars sound in terms oh, of well, like the, there's a, there's a jingle jangle to the. We talk about that and how tonight we've talked about James Honeyman Scott and the Pretender, mm-hmm. the very dead guitarist, the Pretenders, Johnny Marr's favorite guitarist. Oh really? Johnny Marr studied. Go listen to the Pretenders, while James Honeyman Scott Pretenders, and listen to Johnny Marr. He literally nicks riffs. Jingle Jangle is mm-hmm. all their tenders. Yeah. I see. Totally. Yeah, so I mean, like, uh, but I, I get why people give them stick. Um, and, but, and, I, and I get why people give Morrissey stick because he hasn't aged well. well. Now. Yeah, he's not he's aged well. Into, fucking hell. And, 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 it, and 
it's it's and it's weird because people are drawing the same kind of separation with the really bad monsters whose music we can't let go of. We're like, yeah. you know, but we. Yeah, okay, he's a terrible shit now, but back then he was a genius, and and, and I'm going to hold on to that. Massive debate that's opening up about everything because where does that line? And I do not know the answer. I don't have a concrete opinion, so I hope people don't shoot me down in flames. I'm just suggesting a problem with the kind of somebody's a dick and has done dick things, so destroy their art. You end up in a place where do we get rid of Michelangelo's work because Michelangelo almost certainly was having a good time with young boys back in the day. Yeah. Do we get rid of so many composers who... And listen, the answer might be yes. I'm just saying, where does that equation go? And can you, should you, ought we to, ought we not to separate the art from the artist? Yeah, I think there's an argument for that, and I think, uh, in, in, I think with a lot of these circumstances, every situation is slightly different. Not that that means that you excuse the bad behaviour, um, but but sometimes when someone's had so much impact in the creative world, yeah, you can't not acknowledge that creative impact and how good the the art is. But at the same yeah. time, you know, um, this. This is not the first time this conversation's come up on the podcast, sure. um, and uh, the, the, the one definite in all of this is that the, the lost profits are gone. <laughs> They're yeah. gone. Um, yeah. Well, it's a different thing, isn't it? If someone's still alive and making money, you what what you never want. If you find out someone's a total douchebag and they've been doing douchebag things, you don't want to line their pockets. That no. I totally understand. Yeah. And indeed, it's an interesting one with Morrissey. Well, Morrissey. Yeah, you are talking about different things. He's just, we've discovered he's pretty xenophobic and racist. Yeah. Uh, you know, in quite a strong way. Um, he hasn't harmed a human being, or has he, with what he's saying? This is a real, it's a nest of wasps. Yeah, like, you know, I, I'll listen to the old stuff, but I'm not motivated to go and see him uh, live. I'm exactly no. the same. I don't think I've bought a Morrissey album in nine years, um, but I will still listen to the Smiths. Yeah. Michael Jackson, not so much. Well, yeah, but I think even that is where people get really upset. Cause they're like, "How can we live without that amazing music?" And I get it. It is. How can yeah. we live without that amazing music? Yeah, and 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 thing is, there's there's a lot of people who are still held in high regard who are no, no longer with us. Yeah. And it's fairly well documented that they they weren't always the best person. They might not have been the the, the best person to their significant other. Uh, they, they might have been a horrible cheat um, but because it wasn't as visible uh, back then because social media didn't exist we kind of let that fade into the background and we, and we give them a bit of a pass but but at the same time if you're going to hold that person to account then okay you've got to lose this guy this guy and this guy you know it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a, we're in a whole we're in a new universe we really are Really are, which has so many good positives and negatives where you really can catch a rat like Weinstein but in catching the rat you end up accidentally murdering a few mice you know who it's, it's a tricky one like, yeah. you know there are other people who have been treated in a similar way because there's like this tidal wave of quite a 
totally correct movement, but a tidal wave will destroy things that didn't necessarily need to be destroyed. I'm happy to state my claim that I don't think Kevin Spacey deserved anything like the death he has received professionally. What he's been treated the same as Weinstein, and they are not comparable. Yeah, and that's my point. There, there, there are degrees of separation in, and, and, and differences in severity in in their actions that we know of, and it's true. And that's, that's the old story. There seems to be a real problem sticking to the old innocent until proven guilty, which would be a shame if that vanishes. Yeah. And, 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 and smoke I think, without fire. Oh, maybe the oh fuck. It's starting to seem like you can have smoke without fire. Yeah, it's scary, man. Especially occasionally the little dances I've had with, and I mean, thirty seconds on the dance floor with being well known now and then in my life, and oh, you know, faces in the Daily Mail, whatever. There is a. There, I've known I have acquaintances who genuinely have had stories to hear about. Are 100% conventional. So I remember an acquaintance friend who, you know, I was like, fucking hell, when some awful shitty story was out about them. And this is when I was asked for an interview by that paper. I said, I don't even wipe my ass with your paper, so I'm not going to do an interview with you. A week later, uh, totally invented, horrible you've done horrible things to women in nightclub story you know where they quote a source yeah that's all they need to say so we're in a world where there, there are sometimes smoke without fire and that's a, and the whole people are, are, are condemned without a trial and that's a bit scary and that is not me saying there aren't a lot of shit efforts who need to be dealt with because there are and it's brilliant that we can but we've got to be careful though yeah, but at the same time, what if the journalists are shitheads too? Yeah, I know. So I don't know. Just I think I just go. Everyone go and look at a website called Workaway, where you just go and work on farms in the middle of nowhere and help people out for free. <laughs> I think we should all do that once a year. It should be like national service. Everyone has to do at least a month of Workaway. Just, in, just like Portugal. Yeah, just just general wholesomeness, just to feed you your soul for a month. And sh- shovel shit and build like solar panels, and, and then come home. Man, we went off on a tangent. Then we were really, yeah, we that were talking. That's pretty good. <laughs> we were talking where we are. Where are we? <laughs> we, we were talking about the Smiths and Morrissey. Okay, so listen, <laughs> should we just get the Smiths back on? Uh, again, I could have picked any track. Uh, so this is pretty much at random, but it's um, there is a light that never goes out. So moving on from the Smiths, this yeah. next artist I've never heard of. Okay. So you're going to have to tell me about it. Okay. LM is my nephew. Oh, okay. Who is, uh, I think he's 18. He's a fucking genius. This is a kid. So my brother, who we spoke about earlier, um, 
we both had kids, similarish time, and he started homeschooling in a very Steiner-esque, very TP way. And I was so dubious. I was like, oh man, what are you doing? What are you doing? I have eaten my hat with mustard. His kids are amazing. They didn't do a single day of what you and I know as school. And they are uh, Elliot Milson, who is LM, who's just been signed to a record label. Well, no, he was signed about a year, way before his dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's an amazing drum and bass artist. But before that, he was a, um, and I love his stuff, and it gets me so amped up. Even if I didn't know him, I quite like this kind of music. I'm really, I use this, I use kind of good drum and bassy stuff sometimes although i think this is technically called something else and he'd, he'd go fucking hell uncle joe it's not a drum <laughs> and bass. it's it's chow powder or i don't know it's got a fucking name this whoever listens to it guys it's, oh, it's this kind of music um but like at the age of 12 he got into he got into animation little shed in the bottom of their little garden and he would spend a year doing a 10 minute stop animation film perfectly perfectly to the point where at like 16 Ardman Animations he won awards said if you want to come and work for us you can have a job with us you know amazing he, he, he they just find what they're interested in and they do that from age dot so at the age he's already been mixing sound for 10 years mm -hmm. he's 18 he, he you know it's <laughs> amazing so and he is fantastic he's now you know he's in whatever chart this lives in he had like a number he was in the top 10 with this or something else recently and um just kick-ass energetic brilliant drum and bassy type stuff from my my little nephew lm and this track is called danger I like that you've kept it in the family with this, yeah, man. Music, Joe. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Little did I know the timing would be so amazing for my brother. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and by the time this episode comes out, it, you, you won't have to worry about letting the cat out of the bag because Elliot. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned the label, so that's fine. No, Just so. he can do that. They can do that. Okay, so. Moving on from LM, we find ourselves at your final track. Um, but before we get into that, yeah. um, for the benefit of anyone who, who isn't already aware of your work, uh, why don't you tell the audience or the listener the best place to find out about you and what you do and, and where they can find your book? Okay, Brick, thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so this book is called Work and Other Four-Letter Words. Uh everything you've never heard about becoming an actor and it is a non-wanky non-gushy story about a non-mega famous real life British actor it's supposedly funny and inspiring it's also about falling in love with work full stop with hard work trying to make that something you don't hate going to do but you love to do and the bits where you're not working it's about being out of work as much as it's in work anyway anyone anyway, I, I shouldn't be trying to sell it because i've just put people off but i think you can get this thing the kindle version and the real one from february the 4th will be on that big that big shop that <laughs> that <laughs> but it will be on amazon and you can also find out about me and it on josephmilson.com um 
double L, josephmilson.com, um, which I don't run, but an amazing lady called Karen Saunders runs, who's just the coolest sort of mega fan uh, ever. And I always said, you want some money for that? No, 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 I'll get her tickets for shows and we're friends now. But she ha- she's been amazing. So you can find out about all the nonsense I've done on there. And I think you can order book through there as well. And yeah, so that's the best places. Amazing. Okay, so tell me who your last track's by. Annie DeFranco. Again, been around forever. A lot of people don't know about Annie DeFranco. I remember going to see her. My wife has always loved Annie DeFranco since like 92. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know about her till I met my wife. Who? I thought I knew music, singer, songwriters, and brilliant women. I've got a real soft spot for women songwriters. Fucking hell, Annie DeFranco. So there, there must be 30 albums to trawl through. I saw her live in LA with Sarah Jane about four years ago. And I've never seen a performer who has been gigging so much that when she came on without the guitar, it was hanging around her leg on the strap. She looked a bit like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. She's a beautiful chick who's now 50 or something. But her body is shaped from playing the guitar, literally. Right. She has played it so much that when she then picked it up and put it in place, her body made sense. Right, okay. Perfect. I mean, that's how much she lives through that guitar. And she's just, the, I can't recommend her stuff enough. All kinds of crazy music. Her, her lyrics are unbelievable. The, and the track I've chosen um, is off an album an album called Which Side Are You On which is possibly her most produced album ever a lot of it's very rough normally her stuff's very live very she's very ahead of the curve she had her own record label years ago which got fed up with all the men telling her what money she could have yeah but this album is really produced and very beautiful and it's big in our life like when we got married this album was coming out and it, so this song is kind of for my wife and this is I've had all sorts of roller coasters with the old love and family and marriages uh, well we're only on number two um, but you know it, we all have a dance around and I have never heard a song that describes when it's going right as well as this song does so that's what this is okay so this song is Hers Annie DeFranco thanks so much for coming on Joe this has been amazing Total pleasure, total pleasure. Brilliant. I just want to here with you. Keep the walls outside the door. There's nothing. So that concludes this week's episode. I wasn't sure what to expect from my first actor guest, but there was a very minimal amount of that lovey darling nonsense that you might expect. Joe is actually a very down-to-earth bloke, and I've enjoyed talking to him. Uh, I love the fact that he brought his family into his mixtape, and that a couple of those picks were just for his wife. Just without any thought or deliberation this is for her it's a very sweet gesture and I can honestly say hand on heart the book is very enjoyable made me laugh out loud at a couple of points and I had to text him to let him know which swear words had done that to me 
So please do click the link in the show notes to check that out or just search for the book. It's called Work and Other Four-Letter Words and there are plenty of them. Um, But as always, the music discussed is played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. So if you want to listen to the mixtape in full, just click the link in the show notes or in my bio on Instagram. But for now, I will see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.